Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of our Business in Focus podcast. I'm Emily Kahn, a director at PwC and I'm your host for this episode. One of the many things delayed by COVID-19 has been the announcement of the next steps following the review by Sir Donald Bryden in 2019. Whilst many of us may have been looking forward to receiving our COVID vaccine or returning to the office in the spring, the accountants among us have been awaiting clarity on whether or not the recommendation to implement a form of UK SOX, shorthand for the Sarbanes-Oxley Act currently in place in the US, will be taken forward. Finally, last week on the 18th of March, the government's Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy published its proposals for restoring trust in the UK's audit and corporate governance regime. Here at PwC, we welcome this consultation as a crucial step in maintaining trust and confidence in the UK's reporting and regulatory frameworks. It comes at an important time as the UK seeks to attract foreign investment and to maintain its status as a leading place to do business. I'm delighted to be joined in our virtual studio today by two specialists who are closely tracking what's been happening and working with clients to help prepare their response, Jonathan Lucas Lucas and Semsi Sonmez. We are still, for now, all working from home, but welcome both of you. And I'd like to start by asking you where you are in the country today and how you're doing. Jonathan, I'll come to you first. Thanks, Emily. Hello, everybody. Uh, as Emily mentioned, I'm Jonathan Lucas Lucas, uh, a partner in our governance risk and controls team within our PwC risk practice. Uh, and I'm leading on PwC's UK SOX implementation support for our clients. I'm currently located deep in the Surrey countryside, a far cry away from the hub of corporate regulation. Pleased to say it's a really sunny day here and spring appears to have finally sprung. Great. And Semsi, how about you? Welcome. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, I'm Semsi, as you said, I am a digital audit director and I specialize in running global SOX audits. Um, I also help many organizations implement their US SOX programs. Uh, I'm currently at home in Greenwich in London and the sun is shining outside. I actually had my COVID vaccination yesterday, so really excited at the moment. Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you both for joining me today. I'm looking forward to getting into this conversation. Um, I have to start with a confession. With the, the government's proposals published last week, 200 pages, I think, or thereabouts, I haven't read them all. Um, it feels like we've been waiting for such a long time for them, though. I'm sure, Jonathan, that you have already. So perhaps you could uh, bring us up to speed on what the headlines are in the proposals to get us going. Brilliant. Yes, thanks, Emily. No, you're right. Yeah, it was a 232-page document, and a lot of time was sped, uh, spent digesting uh, that material over the uh, over the weekend. Um, we won't have time to go through the whole content. We're pleased to hear, but I will draw upon some of the key highlights uh, for you now. Um, just worth reiterating, you know, this is a consultation document um, and these changes haven't yet been mandated uh, and the document itself is open uh, to comment from anyone for 16 weeks from the 18th of March. So look, some of the, some of the key highlights. Um, first of all, um, there's discussion in there around strengthening the role and responsibilities of audit committees, um, around subjecting them to more regular scrutiny and potential inspection and observation of their activities. Secondly. Um, there's, there's discussion around the requirement for an audit and assurance policy. Um, that's that's going to set out what assurance is being commissioned or, or not over the whole annual report and other corporate information. It also talks about the requirement for a managed shared audit regime for FTSE 350 companies that have a big four firm as their lead auditor. 
There is also discussion around the requirement for operational separation of the largest audit firms. Um, further, there is also discussion around a new corporate auditor profession to be established, effectively separate from the accounting profession. That's something that's really new that, uh, that was discussed in the document. Now, most critically for this discussion, all directors of public interest entities are to be held accountable for their reporting responsibilities and will be subject to increased regulatory scrutiny and enforcement powers. It goes on to further clarify that a new regime for internal controls over financial reporting, which is now widely badged as UK SOX, can be coming into um, the future. Gosh, that's quite a lot in there then. That's quite a list of uh, changes and proposals. I can imagine you've been you've been inundated with questions about those 200 and was it 236 pages and all those changes yeah 232 I, I, that's absolutely right i mean the, the the key question um that i'm still getting asked that i've been asked actually from the, from the first paper was simply you know will i be in scope um you know the initial expectations last year with a potential uk SOX mandate would impact companies in the FTSE 350 um however the latest consultation paper has gone further than that um, right and it's actually saying that the new regime would initially apply to premium listed companies and then would be extended to all pies after two years. So considerably broader than the FTSE 350. Right, okay. And tell me a little bit, you used a couple of uh, acronyms there, premium listed and pies. Give us a, a, a moment on those definitions. Yeah, and th this is another point of clarification. So premium listed companies are equity issuers in the FTSE 100, FTSE 250 and the FTSE small cap, um, and they have to uh, meet much more stricter standards than other equity issuers. Um, okay. Pies, uh, interestingly, so pies have been um, described as entities whose transferable securities are admitted to trading on a UK regulated market. Um, they also cover credit institutions, aka banks, um, but also insurance undertakings. Um, however, the key thing actually coming out of this consultation um, is that this pie definition should be extended to include more organisations that's going to mean a lot more companies can potentially fall into scope okay so if that's who's in scope tell us a little bit more on on what that's actually going to mean for directors in those organizations in terms of the requirements the proposals contain yeah so in in terms of the actual requirements um you know bays have explored a few different options in this paper for a new internal controls regime um, with varying degrees of auditor involvement um, and what I'll do is I'll just pick out their preferred option here, um, and that's that directors uh, would need to make an explicit statement about the effectiveness of their internal controls over financial reporting. And as part of this statement, they would need to explain the following. Firstly, how they'd carried out their assessment. Secondly, details of the outcome, including any details of any deficiencies identified. Thirdly, the benchmark system used to make that assessment. And fourthly, how they'd actually assured themselves it's appropriate to make that statement. Um, just to go on to, um, from that, it's worth saying also any decisions about whether the director's attestation should be subject to external audit would need to be explained in the company's audit and assurance policy, although external audit of this statement itself would not be mandated. Right, okay. Um, Semsi, perhaps we can bring you in here because um, you work in the context of external audit. What are you hearing from companies at the moment and their concerns, challenges or, or points of interest in these proposals? Yeah, Emily, I, I think companies are still digesting what the recommendations in the base consultation will mean for them. 
But I think there is an overall agreement that the UK soft liars regime will be on the cards. And I guess reading through the base consultation, there are you know three key areas to consider for the organizations in light of the UK SOX implementation. The first one that um, Jonathan covered around the company director's requirements to um, carry out a review of the effectiveness of their company's internal controls. The second one relates to the audit report that needs to describe the work the auditor is already required to do to understand the company's internal control systems. And we do that, um, I do that currently, and to the extent needed to perform for the audit. And then to state how that work has influenced the audit, but without a formal audit opinion on the internal controls effectiveness being required, which is a little bit different than how the US SOX equivalent works. And then okay. the, third, the third point relates to the auditor that is required to provide a formal opinion on the director's annual attestation about the effectiveness of those companies' internal controls, potentially limited to key controls over financial reporting or even a subset of that. But those are the things that need to be clarified as the consultation goes. Yeah, th thanks, Simsi. I mean, it's 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 worth adding. I mean, you know, this proposal, if implemented, clearly could be a major change for impacted companies. Uh, our experience in the US um, is that the workload for directors and management teams in implementing the SOX rules is really significant. Um, but you know, it's not all doom and gloom. The regime also drove substantial improvement in the quality of financial reporting, reporting and control, which is clearly the aim of, of these proposals here in the UK as well. Exactly. Um, so that's a really helpful setting of the context of, of who's in scope and what the change could look like if these consultations go through. I'm interested in, in the considerations you're hearing from the organisations that you're working with. How are they approaching, approaching that set of changes now? Yeah, Emily, I mean, I've had several conversations with the organisations I work with from an external audit perspective. And I think companies have a lot of questions, but also considerations. Um, a couple of them are around scope. Careful consideration of actually what the scope of any enhanced UK regime means for them. Is it going to go beyond the internal controls for uh, over financial reporting? Is it going to cover broader operational and non-financial controls? Then application. Um, Jonathan talked about kind of, uh, am I in scope? Will I be in scope? Which, which specific entities will be in scope if I am in scope? All of those considerations, our organizations are getting ready to have, a, have an assessment around. And then okay. the other one is around standards. In a US SOX-like regime, there is the standards around, um, or the frameworks around COSO that is being applied. And it's thinking about that framework around, is it, is it actually the COSO that is going to be applied or is there a new framework that is going to be applied? And then looking at kind of that assurance model, and we touched on that really slightly, but how, what does that assurance model look like for that attestation? It's, it's not necessarily mandated uh, in the consultation. And therefore, that model going to be looking like for the UK, are organizations wanting those external attestations as they are, as there will be a requirement for the directors to actually attestate their own internal controls. And I, and I guess there are also some concerns, Emily, when I when yeah. I talk to them, and and some of those concerns that immediately spring to mind with those organisations is 
especially with coming out of the kind of uh, economic instability from COVID is investment and resources needed to implement, implement it. The timing of implementation, these type of implementations can take two to three years. What the cultural transformation is, that will be a requirement. And also the capabilities, technology capabilities, as well as internal kind of socks, internal controls, risk capabilities, and how they can actually be ahead of that game. But yeah, those are kind of the things that I'm hearing at the moment. Right, okay. And it sounds like there's still, you know, there's a lot of questions still in there and actually, you know, a broad scope of, of change um, to be looking at, as you say, as we're emerging from this period of, of disruption that, that's affected all businesses. Um, Jonathan, maybe give us a flavour of, of your views on what businesses could be doing to address those challenges and, and maybe how, you know, this could be a driver of, of benefits as they, as they transform their, their compliance function as we emerge from COVID. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Emily. Um, I think, you know, the key thing for me uh, is to start early. Um, it's really important companies don't underestimate how long it will take to implement this framework. Um, SOX implementations that we've worked with in the past can take anything from 18 months to up to three years and sometimes even more than that to get to a suitable point um, for attestation. So leaving yourself enough time to perform things like testing dry runs of your control operations um, without an immediately looming attestation deadline right ahead of you. Um, that makes an implementation program much more likely to succeed and, and not to mention a whole lot less stressful. Um, I think the other thing to, to pick up is around you know, timetabling. Um, set out a clear roadmap. I mean, you can do that from now. There's no reason to wait. Um, set out a clear roadmap of, of what the next few years look like so that when that um, mandatory you know, implementation comes in, you know exactly what's ahead of you rather than simply speculating. Um, I'd also say really take a risk-focused approach. That's really, really important. All companies have different risks with varying levels of complexity but it's so important to ensure that all key risks are identified and, and remaining risks identified are prioritized to ensure that management's time focus um, can be spent on mitigating controls in exactly the right areas. Um, getting this investment of time upfront, focusing on the right risks will save a lot of time down the track. Mm -hmm. um, the, the other thing is around technology and, and to be fair, Semsi, you, you're probably best placed to pick this one up. What, what are your thoughts on technology? Yeah, Jonathan, thank you. I, I think, Technology and what I see currently with organization is, is really used to eliminate that manual effort, but also to increase robustness of control environment. When considering technology in the upcoming UK SOX regime, organizations should really consider, first of all, how do I get technology embedded from the start to manage the program, including you know, repository of processes, controls, the attestation that needs to be done and actually automating as much as possible of that. But then second also is the use of technology to automate controls. Um, we are seeing in kind of the US SOX landscape very much a change where the manual controls are being uh, replaced by RPA technology or AI technology and actually thinking through that at the outset of designing your controls and making sure those are embedded will be uh, quite a key success factor. At the moment, what I'm also seeing, Jonathan, is that some organizations are starting to revisit their current technology solutions 
and assessing whether they are actually getting the investment uh, or the value out of the investment that they have. Because I've come across quite a lot of organizations that have got risk um, governance solutions already implemented, but not necessarily using it to the benefit of the organization. So organizations should assess the use of their current technology and ensure the readiness of those solutions. And I think SOTS will be a massive catalyst to do this and secure those resources, those investments that they need to do so. This will allow, I think, from my perspective, that organizations to initiate that broader transformational change that is welcomed by all of the organizations. Yeah. That's quite, oh, I was just gonna say, that's quite a list there of, um, of things to think about. What would your, your advice be to leaders who are just starting to, to get their head around um, the scope of that change and, and the roadmap ahead? Um, so yeah, I think it's a that's a really good point. I mean, the, the technology is really important, but the the cultural mindset that organisations need to get in is is equally important, if not more so. Um, so don't underestimate the mindset shift that's required. Um, it's really important to assign roles and responsibilities um, to the right people up front, and make sure you're upskilling your um, your teams across your organisation, not just focused in finance but consider roles outside in operations and commercial teams as well, because those are the people that will be least familiar with these kind of implementations and, and regulations. Um, we often, yeah, we, we often find finance teams grasp the requirements quickly, um, but it's but it's those beyond there where, where those struggles lie. Uh, Jonathan, if I can add to that, I can, I mean, I've seen a lot of organizations where SOX is seen as an add-on uh, and, and a kind of an afterthought, and therefore an activity that is done at the end of the day. This drives cost, but it also doesn't drive that cultural mindset change that you talked about, that is really required to obtain the benefits, the benefits of you know, transparency and financial reporting. In my view, and based on my experience, best-in-class SOX programs have clear responsibilities defined, Control owners understand the associated risk and where controls are performed as part of their daily activity. They don't see it anymore as, oh, I have to do this for SOX uh, compliance. No, they do it because they know that this will mitigate the risk of error. And I think organizations have used SOX to their advantage and have seen great benefits and have been um, classified as no regrets investments that they have done. I really like the reference there to no regrets and it really chimes with um, the findings of our CEO survey this year. I'm sure you've both seen uh, some of those findings, but they very much highlighted that even coming out of this time of economic uncertainty, UK business leaders are investing in areas where they can see um, that, that there'll be a catalyst for positive change. And as you say, kind of a no regret decision. Um, so maybe I'm conscious that time is ticking by here. I could uh, ask each of you for your top no regrets activity that businesses could start now to move towards those best practice approaches to the compliance you've just been talking about. Um, Jonathan, maybe can I come to you first? Yeah, sure. And again, it's a, it's a question I get so often is, you know, where do I start? What should I be doing now? Um, you know, I, companies are reluctant to invest too much into this because they're, they're still waiting for the final implementation. But I mean, I, I would urge companies to perform a maturity assessment over their internal controls environment. Um, you know, that's never going to hurt doing that, understanding where, where you sit, where the pain points are, 
you know, areas that, that need more focus, irrespective of UK, UK SOX implementation, that's something that will be really valuable um, and something we'd be able to, to, to help as required. Fab, how about you, Simsi? Uh, yeah, and the, I could probably talk for hours on socks, so I'll keep it short. And I think for me, the biggest kind of, in addition to what Jonathan said, the biggest other no regrets uh, investment is for organizations to also look at the broader organizational changes that will be required to allow that director's attestation. What do they need to put in place? at the um, uh, different entities level, at the different process level, for the directors to attestate that they have got an effective internal control framework. While the base consultation is progressing, um, I would recommend that organizations take this as an opportunity to look at those gaps and to look at those organizational changes. Okay, that sounds like from both of you a real clear call to action to um, to know what you're up against and get clear what you're working with. I think that's going to draw us to a close of this episode of Business in Focus. Thank you both, Jonathan and MC. It's been a fascinating discussion. I think we've, we've just about scratched the surface there. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening. As Jonathan and MC mentioned, there is real benefit in acting quickly to get your internal controls over financial reporting in order because it very much looks like change is coming. Um, to find out more about how we can support you with any aspect of UK SOX or compliance transformation, do visit the Governance, Risk and Compliance section of our PwC website. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with future episodes. Thanks, everyone, and stay safe.